if somebody came to me and needed something different or needed to do a piece of work before we could do something with them that that would be beneficial I would send them backwards because then we can do a better job yes when that's done um we can make what we do work better for them we can give them more value when that groundwork has been done in the first place um but you sort of have to have that that level of awareness of of where you sit otherwise you, you just don't have that foresight to say that to the client Hello and welcome to Hitting the Wall, the podcast with me, your host, Ash Taylor. I'm joined today by Gemma Edwards. Hey, Gemma, how are you? Hi, Ash. I'm good, thanks. How are you? I'm really well. I'm really well. It's finally stopped raining, um, which is always a good thing because I feel like a drowned rat at the moment, like I suppose half the country does. Um, Gemma, Gemma, do you want to just uh, take a minute and explain, you know, to, to our audience, you know, who you are, what you do and what change you're, you're, you're trying to make in the world. Let's start, let's start with that. Yeah. So, um, I, uh, set up uh, my own business, which I did with a business partner, um, coming up to four years ago now. So my business is called so contented. Um, and we, uh, specialize in brand voice. So we help businesses to really understand, um, how they should be communicating, um and how the words that they choose will influence the way that their customers view them and connect with them and we also uh, implement brand voice as well so we uh do the, the copywriting side of things and we will write website content um articles social media content anything with the written word that's kind of our space um i think the i think very much the the, the power behind this and the reason behind this is around I once heard it phrased that now everybody has the power to become a publisher. Um, yes. Yes. Okay. Anyone now can publish words that hundreds or thousands or even millions of people can see. You know, if you go back 50 years, probably less, that was not possible. You know, it would have to go through very stringent checks by editors and, and mm. publishers and all that kind of stuff. And, and now we all have the power to publish. We all have the power to use our words um, and plant seeds. Um, and I think that that is a, a really important gift. And I think it's something that we should all use with great responsibility. And we very much try to instill that with the businesses that we work with. I, I, I see. I, I love that. So straight away, I'm, I can think of two or three things that are jumping out at me. We, um, so this podcast, the name of it, Hitting the Wall, came from the title of my book, which we, we released last December. And you're right. I mean, I, I get messages now. Um, and I hope that doesn't, this doesn't come across as arrogant, but I get messages now from people going, I read your book and I've done this or it's impacted me in this way. And, and, I, and I know you're right that, the, you know, the power of words and what you say is it can be life changing for some people. And it, with that, there's quite a response, quite a responsibility. And I, I always remember, I think I've told this story before. I always remember being um, on stage with uh, Dr. Joanna Martin. It was about five years ago, maybe. And she ran something called the One Woman Conference. So it was uh, 200 women and she's just kind of empowering them to find their voice and, and to 
um, you know, whether they're business owners or, or not, but just to be the best version of themselves. And through the weekend, they would put um, kind of letters to men in, in a jar. And basically what they were doing is uh, all the questions they'd always wanted to ask men, but were too afraid to ask. And they were just putting them in these glass jars. And then myself and three other people got invited to answer those questions basically on stage. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It was quite scary. So we're on this stage. We've, we've had a look at this jar. We've kind of got rid of all the duplicates and we've pulled out the 15, 20 questions that we felt would give the most value. And we're going through them one, on, uh, one by one. And I can't remember what the question was, but I remember reading this question out, giving an answer, somebody from the back of the room going, what do you mean by that? And then me giving this answer. And I didn't think anything of it. And then a year later, I was to the day, I was back in that room with Joey Martin and I'm chatting to her. And then there was this big shove on my back and I realized that somebody was hugging me from behind. And I just thought, okay, well, there's someone here I know. I turned around and there's this woman hugging me and I have no idea who she was. No idea who she was. <laughs> and I looked, sort of looked at her and she looked at me and she said, you don't know who I am, do I? Do you? And I went, no. And she held her left hand up like that and wiggled her ring finger. And I was, okay, I'm still none the wiser. I don't really know how that kind of helps me. And she said, look, no ring. And I said, okay, great. Good for you kind of thing. And she said, you stood, on, sat on that stage a year ago today and you answered one of my questions. And I went home and left my husband that night. Wow. I know. What did you say? I, I wish I could remember. <laughs> but, but what she was saying was that actually the power of what I'd said at the right time for her, obviously, gave her the strength to make a decision she'd been putting off for years and years. And she said, I've never been happier. And, and I, I, you know, I tell that story because I'm so in tune and aligned with what you're saying about how the power of the narrative can be so compelling that it can get people to change action, uh, to, sorry, to take action. Whereas perhaps before they hear those words, that they're, they're innate, if you like, inert, and they're, and they're not mm -hmm. doing anything. So have you, how, I'm, I'm really curious to, to kind of discover, because we spoke off air and you've got a background in banking, essentially. So how, how do you go from, banking to being a wordsmith I guess um I mean that's that is a, an interesting question um I think so I have as a kid I read so much I've always loved words um I always love writing as well um and it was something that has been a consistent strength of mine um throughout everything I've done you know I mentioned earlier that I've, I've got I've actually studied engineering originally so I've mm. not gone in a straight line at all to get to where I am um and I was always the person uh at work where people would say can you just check this for me can you just read this and make sure it sounds right can you put this together for me because I cannot I cannot you know get my head around these words and if and if this is the right thing to say and and that was that was me people just come to me for that and my, um, my business partner, Helen, is actually a solicitor. She's a family solicitor. Okay. And a lot of what she did actually involved, you know, telling a story to a judge and, and um, communicating well with the people around her. And we kind of had this, when we met, we sort of had this whole, oh, we should start a business kind of thing. Yeah. Um, without 
really paying that much attention to it it was sort of not a not serious thought at the time um and then I'd I'd gone off on maternity leave actually and I'd come back to work and I was all fired up and and ready to get back into the corporate grind again because actually I I know a lot of people don't like the corporate world but I have to be honest like I actually did quite love my time in that corporate environment I think you got that instant gratification of every time you sort of got promotion and moved on to the next thing and I think it progress was a little bit more clear cut I think than it is as a business owner Mm -hmm. um so I'd gone back in I was off I'd up I was ready to start you know next promotion want to want to move on and then a competitor private banking office opened and half the staff left to go work there um and it was very clear then at that point that my options were I could try to go with them and you know so you know apply and see if they would want me to go and work there um which I would be doing the same job so it'd be a sidestep um or I would just carry on as I was and wait for promotion opportunities because it was pretty clear that they were now going to have to start recruiting for experience rather than promoting from within um and it just all seemed like perfect timing really you know I'd had this wobble then my husband changed job and I was like right that's it I'm going and I'm and anybody that knows me well knows I am quite cavalier. <laughs> Love it. So, um, a little bit impulsive. Um, so I just handed my notice and I was like, right, I'm done. It's it's time. This this is all a sign. Everything's aligned, and I'm going to go and set up a business and and I'm going to do it with something that I love doing, and that's writing. And and there we go. Um, so I rang Helen and I said, Helen, I've just quit my job. <laughs> Do you want to start that business? <laughs> she was but like, you didn't even give a warning. You just went and did it. Brilliant. <laughs> um, yeah. So Helen was a little bit taken aback, but again, you know, great timing. And, and we just, we went for it and here we are. Amazing. Absolutely amazing. So that's like four years ago, you said. And yeah, four years in September. Okay. Brilliant. And, and I suspect you'll still be standing because what, what are the stats now? 75% of businesses fail in the first year. And of those that survive... 75% of them fail within four years. So you're going to be in the 25% of the 25%, which is brilliant. So yay, because that, that's such a cool thing to be. <laughs> and I have to remind people of this all the time that, you know, people come to me and, and you know, we, we, we we're having conversations and they've been in business seven, eight years and oh, I'm really struggling and blah, blah, blah. Yeah, but you've got to remember you're in the 25% of the 25%. So that, that, there's a lot to be kind of applauded there. So what, what you know, what, one of the things I know that you've done, especially in the last year, is that you've scaled very quickly. And that's involved, I guess, uh, and I am guessing, taking on uh, new learnings and new responsibilities that perhaps you might have been aware of and probably involved in in your corporate life, i.e. interviewing and recruitment, that sort of stuff. But doing it for yourself when you are now responsible for somebody else's mortgages, that's a very different thing, isn't it? So tell, tell, tell me and share about, you know, how did, how, is, how did that happen? You know, you've gone from yourself and Helen, and then suddenly, I mean, I'm guessing, especially if you're in digital marketing, this last year has been quite explosive for many companies. So you're, you're starting, I'm guessing, to, to get some interest and to get some uh, momentum. And you're finding yourself oversubscribed, un- undercapacitied, undercapacitied, yeah, I think. Uh, that a word I can use? I, don't know. I might have made up another <laughs> word. I'm brilliant. This is a dictionary of ash. So just t- tell us how, how that's transpired and how, how you've kind of dealt with that 
scaling and, and bringing people on at speed. Yeah, so that was a huge learning curve um, in a very good way. Um, I, I actually listened to one of your earlier episodes with a lady called, uh, I think it was Catherine, and she was talking about how she had struggled a lot with recruitment and hiring the right people. Um, and, you know, touch wood, we've only hired three times, but we did it three times within 12 months. And actually, I'm really, really happy with the people that we've brought into the business. Mm. Um, I think we had the the advantage, should I maybe say, of we, you know, Helen and I are not from a traditional sort of agency or copywriting background. So we knew that we've come in from different fields, different sectors, doing something completely different, but we just had a skill with words that we honed and, you know, we learned and developed. So we knew that we could do that with somebody else. We knew that we had the advantage of being able to hire somebody that was the right fit for us rather than had a particular set of skills or experience. Okay. Um, so it, it made it so that we've, we've, we've brought people in that have just, just fit really wonderfully. And of course we've had to do um, training and development with them, but we would have done that anyway, because I'm hugely into, you know, personal and professional development. I think it's really important. Um, and we want, we want to continue that culture, but yeah, so I think I think from a hiring perspective, I think that's definitely gone in our favour that we've been able to hire for an attitude rather than a skill as such, because we can teach them the skill that they need. Um, I think the, the biggest learn that we took from hiring in particularly in quick succession was that processes are really, really, really important. Um, we suddenly realized that we didn't actually have any processes <laughs> sort of got from A to B, you know, Helen and I actually had somehow ended up getting from A to B when we were doing the same activity in two different ways. So we already weren't uniform. And then when we brought our first member of staff on Tessa, Tessa then sort of learned a hybrid of the way that we both yeah. do. Yeah. So we then kind of had a third different way. And then the next person that joined Kimberly, you know, we had that same thing again. And it was starting to become a little mishmash of everything was done in a slightly different way. Um, so we have actually very recently had a massive overhaul of our systems and processes. And again, that's that's made a huge difference. But I think I think that's one of our biggest hiring learns and something that on reflection would have been useful to have done before we hired, but we pretty much left it a little bit too late and we were definitely at you know our absolute capacity and needed to start scaling and bringing somebody into the business um at the time when we employed Tessa so that's our first employee if I'm a hundred percent honest we weren't ready you know financially we weren't ready but we'd kind of reached that peak of we can't do any more because we can't between us do another full-time person's work. Mm. So we sort of have to take that gamble of when we bring her in, yeah, we might take an initial hit, but financially it, it will work out. We'll, we'll then be able to make this viable. So it was, a, it was very much a leap of faith, actually. Now, I'm very comfortable with that. I am very, you know, I, I, I would just, I'm very much a, it'll be all right on the night kind of thing. <laughs> um, Helen is very different to me. Helen is very cautious and Helen likes to, to give things lots of consideration. So I know that Helen found that very 
uncomfortable, very difficult at first. Um, but categorically, hands down, one of the best moves we've ever made in business was was hiring. So it's it's interesting because I believe people wait too long. I I think that people um, can go three, four, five, six years in business with just them. And I'm not necessarily saying this is a bad bad thing. Not everybody has to hire to grow. There are different way, ways of scaling. But it's clear to me with a lot of the people that I talk to that they're crying out, crying out for somebody of the, of the right skill set to come in and either deliver on their behalf or cover the things that they're letting spill if you like because they're busy doing their core job and I guess what I'm hearing from you Gemma is that there's an element of whilst you have these skill sets in writing they don't define who you are you've done other jobs you've got other skills worst came to worst you could go back into banking I presume you've got that fallback and I think I think that I think I certainly speak to a lot of people who, you know, a lot of our members, a lot of our clients, a lot of people listening to this, their skill is the thing that they do. They are defined by their job description, if you like. I'm a copywriter. I'm a florist. I'm a, um, I don't know, I'm a web developer and so on. I'm an accountant. And therefore, they can't fathom that somebody else might be able to do that skill and they get really protective over it and they get too close to it and they get very emotional about it as well Mm -hmm. and so do do you think because you you used a very interesting term that what you have is a learned skill yet yes you love reading as a child I love reading as a child I, I I'm not I probably could have gone into copywriting or something like that I wanted to because I have a passion for words and I love reading and I love educating myself and and trying different things and I write reasonable copy now without it being a learn you know a a high level skill but I've learned some skills Um, but I don't think I'd be attached to it emotionally Mm -hmm. whereas I'm quite attached to coaching because it's something I've done since I was 13 and and it's it I can't to a degree it does define who I am so do you think it's helped that it's been a learned skill rather than one that it, that it's something that it's all you've ever known if that that makes does that make sense is it it does it makes total sense I um so actually when we first launched our business we were really the one thing that we were nervous about was the fact that we weren't copywriters you know we yeah. hadn't come from that traditional background and we were we were very nervous about sharing that, you know, we kind of, we didn't really want to say that. Um, But we actually found that it made, it had the opposite effect that it it was, people loved that we had had loads of experience in different arenas doing different things. Um, Helen has, I think, a degree in some sort of psychology and, and, you know, it's, we have, we have a real array of skills between just the two of us when we started this business that we, a lot of it, I think, comes from, you sort of mentioned this earlier, I think we were off air when you said it, um, you're not taught in school as a young person that what you have and what you learn is adaptable. Mm-hmm. You're taught to become a thing. And that thing, you mentioned it 
a few a few minutes ago that thing is your identity so that is who you are and that is all you are going to be you've earned that thing it's a real privilege to be that thing and no one else if they haven't had a particular qualification they can't do that thing you know they can never do that thing um and I believe actually there's a there's a lot of merit in adaptability and in what you learn from something and how you apply that to something else. And we very much brought that into writing um, and into the way that we work because we've got such a variety of, of background and skills between us. And, and we've repeated that with our staff, you know, with the people that we've brought into our business. They've come, you know, Tessa has a musical theatre background and it, it's everyone is everyone is different we've all got a different experience we've not all gone to uni we've not all graduated in some sort of marketing related degree we've not all then gone and worked for a marketing agency and then moved here we've we've all got something different that we bring to the table which means we've got a, a real mix for our clients but i think that i think the difficult thing about where you're talking about identity and people sort of feeling protective about it is when people see other people doing something that they can also do and forgive me for saying this but that they don't do it well that they you know we, we're not all of that same skill level and some skills are learned and developed but mm -hmm. that it's sold as though it's a it's a top end product or service yeah, yeah. and then you, and you look at what's being delivered and you think Where's the value here? There's no value here. And I, and I think that's probably one of the biggest bugbears that people have when it comes to feeling protective about their profession. Um, and I think the immediate assumption is that it must be somebody that's just decided that they're going to pick this thing up and do it and they actually know nothing about it. But really, when you dig into that a lot of the time, it's not it's not the case. You know, we've when we were scaling our business before we employed somebody, we actually started looking at freelancers and, and how we could work with other freelancers to, to outsource some white label. And we very quickly decided that it wasn't for us, because even though some of them have been in business for a long time, you know, we thought they were terrible. <laughs> um, and it's and it's not it's, it's it's not I don't think necessarily related to your previous experience and qualifications all the time i think sometimes it, it very much is about how you've adapted and how you how you can then learn and move that forward and um yeah so i, I think the identity thing is, is a really interesting question mm. um but i think what it possibly boils down to is not always quite identity in terms of your particular profession but feeling defensive about seeing other people having a really bad job done yeah, I think I think that you raise a really interesting point there. We I, I run another podcast, not that I should be advertising a podcast while I'm on this podcast, but I run another one, um, <laughs> which is which is called at uh, um, Passion Project, and it's aimed at 16 to 18 year old school leavers essentially, and it's called that interview experience. And we're we're basically interviewing people about their first interview experience to give young people an insight into what it's like. Yeah. you know what they can expect that sort of stuff and it's been and it's it's been a, a, a lot of fun it's it's been really interesting the thing that we've um noticed and we've we've done 18 19 episodes now no one that we've spoken to not a single person is doing now what they set out to do or thought they might be doing at school and yet 
we have schools and we have a society that are trying to get children as young as 13 or 14 to create a future professional identity for themselves, um, which then becomes a personal identity for themselves. And I, and I see it with business owners, not just with employees. You ask them what they do and they will respond with the skill they have. Okay, so they, you know, so, so what do you do? I'm a copywriter. I'm a florist. Very, very, very rarely do I hear somebody say, I run a business in floristry. I run a business that does copywriting or that, you know, sells whatever. And, and when I'm asked the question, it took me a while to get that when I'm, you know, I, I've gone from being a tennis coach to I run a tennis coaching business to now I run a membership organization that supports small business owners to achieve the goals on their terms, you know, their goals on their terms in, in a way that's congruent for them. And, and it, 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 because there's a part of me that almost fit, almost feels a bit disloyal to that skill set and that identity that I've built up and, and, and who I am. And, and I, think, I think it's a difficult thing to shake off, but if you, what I'm hearing from you is because perhaps you've not gone into the business with that identity in place, you know, you, you, you're, you're not, as you said, you're not copywriters, you, it, it's a learned skill but you know enough about the psychology through Helen, you know enough about um, the way people work and the way that businesses want to be represented through your um, skill set and your experience that you're able to take those skills and apply it in a way that is perhaps more objective rather than being um, emotionally driven. And you know, it's, it, I, I see, I tell you where I see it with web designers all the time. Web designers just want it to look pretty whether it works or not. Yeah, I, I think, you know, that's that brings us on to an interesting. Uh, <laughs> um, I think there's a difference between web design and web development. Yes. And I don't think that that is communicated well to clients who will go and they think that because they want a website, the end result is they'll go to a developer. A developer won't then say, rarely in my experience, a lot of developers that work alone will not say, well, actually, you need to go backwards now and you need to start with your content. Correct. Um, and you need to think about why you want this website and what you want people to do on there. They'll say, no, send me a sitemap and we'll build it. Mm. And it yeah. works. And, you know, often it looks fine and, and it's functional. And it's pretty. When it boils down to it, it doesn't actually do what the client needs it to do and I think that's very much about not it's about not working collaboratively there I think and, and not guiding people in that process and knowing that they have that responsibility when that client comes to them mm. to say yeah you, you need somebody else before me and, and, and I think it, you're right and it, it is because they they see what they're doing and I, this is not beat up word development um, web developer session but they'd see what they're doing in isolation and forget that what they're doing is just part of a bigger picture and, yeah. and, you, and you're right for, for me any kind of marketing starts with the words but even before you get to the words it's starting starts before that with understanding who your market is and what their desires and what their wants are and and what their pains are and 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 because you can only craft words 
that will resonate with them if you understand the situation that they're in. So once you've got, once you understand the situation, then you know what words you need to use. And then you decide, well, how are you going to lay those words out in a way that's going to be, um, you know, uh, accessible to, to the person that going, that's going to read it. It doesn't start with the colors and, and, and how pretty it is. Yeah, you, you, the toe. And, but it's not, you know, accountants get the same sort of grief as well. The number of accountants that I've spoken to or, you know, clients that I've had where we've been in danger of sacking the accountant because the accountant hasn't delivered what the uh, client needs. But the client hasn't asked. Half the time, the client hasn't gone to the accountant and said, actually, I need to know this, 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 and this. Can you do it for me? They're just making mm -hmm. an assumption that, well, my accountant doesn't do anything. And there's a, there's a danger in not understanding where you sit within the bigger picture and not having the context and therefore asking the wrong questions because you think that what you're doing in isolation is the only thing that's important. Yeah. And I think that's, yeah, and you, I mean, you know, obviously I agree with it. It's not like about bashing web developers, but I think web development is a really easy example because generally speaking, that should be the last thing in the process. It's the, that's the final piece of the implementation really in, in the, you know, in a website build, the actual mm. build itself is, is pretty much the last thing that happens, obviously, aside from all the testing and stuff that goes on. Um, so I think that's why it's an easy example of seeing um, where people do just, you know, it, it should be a process that actually probably involves more people than just you and understanding which piece of the jigsaw that you are. Because um, it's very much the same for us, you know, we don't, we specialize in, in written content but I wouldn't, if somebody came to me and needed something different or needed to do a piece of work before we could do something with them that, that would be beneficial, I would send them backwards because then we can do a better job Yes. when that's done. Um, we can make what we do work better for them. We can give them more value when that groundwork has been done in the first place. Um, but you sort of have to have that that level of awareness of of where you sit otherwise you, you just don't have that foresight to say that to the client and yeah you know we probably made that mistake in in our very early days of when we were still learning about how we do fit fit in on the scene as a business and as a as an offering and our business has hugely evolved since we first started um so yeah i think it's a it's a lesson for everyone there i think is to understand what works around you and what works with you and then figure out how that will then best allow you to deliver more value for your clients. Yeah, I I 100% agree. I mean, some of the best meetings I have with my clients um, are when their accountant is present as well, because you get better context and the yeah. questions you're able to ask are, are are answered apart from anything else because you you know you have the information in front of you. I I'm curious to understand one more thing. Um, I mean, I, I think we could talk all day, but the, the, the thing that I'm, I'm particularly interested in is this, the, 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 you setting the business up and choosing to do it with, um, with a business partner, because you talked, you know, before we press play or press record about you being told that that was a really bad idea, that you, you believe it's been a really healthy thing for you. So can you kind of expand on that a little bit, how, how that's benefited you, you think? 
Oh yeah, definitely. Um, I think I think the probably the past eighteen months has highlighted that more than ever. Um, how, if I'm honest, like very grateful I am to the fact that I've set a business up with a business partner. But yeah, I was definitely told initially by people. You know, I went to a oh, I can't remember what it was now. It was like a, a, a peer group thing and 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 somebody there was like oh a business partner mm, that they never end well um and I have to say when I look at other people in business who are doing it by themselves they are you know a solo business owner and even not when they are the only employee of the business you know as the director but that they might have five or ten employees or whatever but everybody is is below them everybody is looking to them for decisions and they are the sole leader of that business looks really hard <laughs> <laughs> yeah it is <laughs> no it's um it looks far more difficult to keep yourself going when there's no one right there with you who's doing it with you you know everybody in business has those highs and lows everybody has those wobbles everybody has days where stuff feels like an absolute slog everybody has days where you are procrastinating and doing something else because you don't want to do the thing that you're supposed to be doing um but there's just a level of support and accountability that you get that i have had from having a business partner and I'm sure Helen feels the same. You know, she said, she said to me before, if it wasn't for me making her do it, <laughs> she probably wouldn't have started a business yeah. um, in the first place. Um, you know, and I think we have a, a wonderful balance of I'm constantly trying to like, right, next thing, move forward, grow, scale. And Helen is like, let's think about this. Let's do this right. Let's slow this down. I think the key thing that we have is we both want to get to the same place. We have that same end goal and that's where we're aligned. Um, the only thing that we then differ on is, you know, speed and, and how, yeah. how fast we get there and, and what we do to get there. But we both know we're pulling in the same direction. Um, I mean, do we agree on everything? Absolutely not um have we argued and had heated discussions yeah we have I mean you know we haven't had any major fallouts as yet touch wood but we don't agree on every single thing and I actually think that that is has been a positive um it's made us both look at something that we thought to be 100% the right thing to do to consider and entertain the possibility that maybe it isn't um doesn't always mean we've changed our minds on that either but it does mean that we've had another idea floating around and considered alternatives and and you know reinforced maybe the idea we were going to go with initially um i think for you know from i'm i know a lot of other business owners that are doing it alone and then i can see that it's difficult and i know that they look to you know things like your membership because they want people around them who are doing what they're doing who understand um what it's like to run a business I yeah. think that's important and I think that matters and I've kind of Helen and I've always had that a little bit by default because there's two mm. of us I think I think you're right and it, you you pull out a number of really important points there that accountability to each other is really important the fact that you're really aligned in terms of the direction you're going is is really important there it's, it's interesting how um you know I, I was working with a couple um last year through to the beginning of this year and at the very first session when we sat down together they they had not identified their goals they didn't actually know what direction they were going in and and 
or, or they assumed that they were both going in the same direction, but they never actually sat down and spoke about it. And this then, it then transpired that this was both personal and professionally. So, you know, they're, they're both making independent decisions based on what that the individual wanted without really considering what the other partner might think or what, what they would want and how it would impact, um, you know, their journey, if you like. And once we'd ironed that out, it changed everything for them because they were able to make much better decisions. They were able to have debate and discussion but it was debate and discussion about the point at hand, not, not about each other. And then that's a very, you know, it made it more professional. And I think that that's really important. And yeah, I, I, I think you're right. There's, there's having somebody on board and alongside you, you know, whether it's a business partner, whether it's a business coach, whether it's a mentor, whatever, just so you can get, not different opinion for the sake of having a different opinion, but just to get a sounding board and to get a sense check and to get someone to kind of report into, I suppose, because it is in, an incredibly lonely place to be in New York, really lonely place. And, and I think you've, you've made, I mean, the, the only thing I always say to people when they're going into partnerships is just make sure you've got a prenup because not enough people do. <laughs> and I, I know from bitter experience and not having one, how painful that can be. So we do, you know, urge people that however small the business partnership is, it might be a spin-off of your original business, you know, have a sheet of paper that basically says, we know this relationship will come to an end at some point. This is how we would like it to end. Because if you don't, people get funny when it comes to money and stuff like that. They're, they're, people turn into different animals, don't they? Um, so I have one more question for you, Gemma. And I ask this for everybody who comes on. Um, as a guest and you you if you've listened to a couple of episodes you may know what I'm about to ask and you may have prepared and you may not but um yeah so look if you if if I could invent time travel I wouldn't be doing this I'd be on a beach somewhere I think but if I could invent uh, time travel and sort of whisk you back in a in a flash of light and a puff of smoke uh to four years ago so that that day when you kind of resigned from from the job and you're pressing go I'm so contented and you could have 30 seconds with that Gemma for four years ago. What one piece of advice would you give her? Yeah, I did know you were going to ask this. Um, <laughs> and I have tried to prepare for it. Um, and honestly, so I have honestly absolutely got no regrets about any decision that I've made in the last three years um I don't think you know I, I tried to I tried to reflect back about how I felt when I when I'd handed my notice in and I was ready to start the business and I and I don't really think I experienced any kind of doubt I think in my head I was just like yeah I'm gonna do this it's gonna be great and and that was kind of that um so I really don't think I've got anything profound that I would say to myself um because I don't think there's anything that I needed to hear at the time actually I think I was just so fired up and ready to do it um I think maybe the only thing I would say would be some sort of like terminator joke, you know, come with me if you want to live, that sort of thing. But otherwise, <laughs> I, love yeah, that. I don't think there's, there was nothing, every decision I've made, I think, you know, I've either got the result that I wanted or the lesson that I needed. Um, and I think I was, you know, I've been pretty steadfast in, in, the belief in our success for the last few years and, and going forward. So as I, I wouldn't want to have the butterfly effect and throw myself off course by saying anything. 
So the thing that so the thing that I'm hearing really is Gemma, back yourself, believe in yourself, because you've got this. Yeah. 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 Which is cool. That thing that you're thinking, you're right. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. And and I think there's a lot to be said for that. That we it's very easy to second guess yourself. It's very easy to allow um, that sort of inner voice to get in the way and and Mm -hmm. and trip you up. And I think when you've got direction and you know what your goals are and you know what you want to try to achieve and you're aligned to it and everything in the business is um, uh, congruent. To, to that end goal and it sounds like you've really got that you know uh, lined up then it it doesn't make the decision making easier because every decision you make is, is is a risk fundamentally but it does make it easier to recognize that once you've made the decision th- that's it we're going with it and there's no point second guessing so yeah. I think, yeah that's that's quite a healthy very healthy outlook yeah I, I you know I think I think to some extent everybody's strengths are also their weaknesses you know I am I am quite impulsive and I do just do things and I don't often I'm definitely not an overthinker you know if I get an idea I'll just go right in and do it um whereas you know like I compare that to say my husband and he will oh he'll go around in circles with it trying to decide on every single outcome and well what happens if this happens what happens this and what's my backup plan and 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 I'm like the the polar opposite of that so in in some ways that's great and obviously in some ways it's not but um I think really just not being not being afraid is just such a not being afraid to get things wrong I think is such a an important message in business just if you've got an idea don't overthink it just do it and see what happens. And if it's not the result that you wanted, make some changes and try again. Yeah, brilliant, brilliant advice. Gemma, if people want to reach out to you and um, be wordsmithed <laughs> or have a chat and, and or just connect, what's the, what's the best way to do that? Uh, yeah, probably you can reach me on email. That's Gemma at socontented.com or you can find me on LinkedIn. I'm uh, Gemma Edwards. I think it's uh, uh, the LinkedIn handle is Gemma Edwards. Brilliant. Excellent. And we'll put that all out in the show notes as well. Uh, thank you so much for coming in and sharing your wisdom and your insight. Great conversation. Thoroughly, thoroughly enjoyed that. that thank a, you for really having me. No, you're welcome. It's great fun. Great fun. You've been listening to the Hitting the Wall podcast with me, Ash Taylor. This podcast is produced by the Business Clubhouse. The Business Clubhouse is a great community of business owners who share ideas, challenge and support each other to run better businesses for themselves and their families. If you'd like to grow your business with the right people around you and with the right tools to help you, visit thebusinessclubhouse.co.uk where you can request a complimentary copy of the best-selling Hitting the Wall.